Did you watch that like Lil Nas X like industry baby music video? Is it the one where he slides up and down like the devil's like? No, 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 no. It's like the you know that song. It's like I told you long ago on the road. I got. Love I mean, I've heard the song through TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have not seen the video. So the video, it's like him in like prison, and he's like, he's like dancing like naked with all these like all these like like black dudes who are like super in shape. And I was telling my girlfriend, I'm like, oh, that's masculine as hell. That's aw-. like, I think it just depends on your definition of masculinity. Because for me, it's like, it's like she's like, how is that masculine? It's like, well, you know, it's a bunch of dudes in really good shape, just you know, dancing and doing their thing, you know, and like being in good shape and showing off. Like that's, yeah, that's like, to me, that's what that screams like. What it means that that screams like, I think that's masculine. That's like hyper masculine, but in kind of like. But like it kind of like obfuscates the traditional like toxic toxicity by like being just very like queer, I guess. But no, I feel that I was thinking more of like it that could be more perceived as masculine as like they are more themselves. That's how I feel that like being a true man is like you know who you are and Mm -hmm. what you're about. Nothing else will defer you from that. Bro, you should really watch that music video. It's awesome. Yeah, honestly, I'm not, like, a big pop fan. The only time, like, I listen to Lil Nas X was, like, his first couple tracks. And that's only because, like, it got super popular real quick in 2019. And then, like, I mean, I get that Billy Ray Cyrus, like, co-signed him, but I also don't listen to Billy Ray Cyrus, so his co-sign means nothing to me. I mean, it's, like, a, it's a big, it's big part of, like, kind of, like, a pivotal thing in culture you know it's kind of like you know how britney spears came on the scene and reversed the whole like missing schoolgirl idea yeah basically Lil Nas X is doing that but a little more for like the gay community and also like the black community as well like or just people of color in general exactly like there he's breaking down like barriers you can argue probably with like pre maybe 2015 16 it probably would have probably wouldn't have flown if I run then I feel like things were a little more tolerant, not to say like fully, mm-hmm. but people were like warming up to the ideas. Like I just remember like people like freaking out when he was like for that music video where he was grinding on the devil's dick. I was like that, that yeah, I I watched that video and I was just like, It's creative. I would never expect anyone to do this, but like I see where he was going with it. Mm-hmm. And I see where like he is trying to make that controversy and also kinda of showing like why the fuck not. I don't know, I'm for like artists being like artists you know what i mean like i will give way more leeway to an artist doing anything than i will a regular like person not to say that i think it was wrong because i honestly think it was kind of funny you know and like the outrage in like the outrage the song's a good pop song but it's like showing a more significant i guess area of where we are and you know i always thought of like art as like a reflective of like where society is it's kind of like a uh like a dipstick is, you know, you, you stick it in, it's like, okay, this is what people feel like, and you can kind of, like, gauge. Yeah, a snapshot, you know? Yeah. No, I feel you on that, and, like, that's how I always view music, is that it's basically a song of the times. Like, people are talking about shit that's going on in today's world. Even if the song doesn't really have to pertain to a certain situation, like, the whole discography of the era basically kind of shows where society is, like, Especially now, I feel like the proliferation of like streaming like apps and such give a bunch of like artists more platforms to like release their work, and so we probably have more music than we ever had. 
Yeah, and I think that, like, I've had this conversation so many people, like, where it's just, like, I, like, you know, history, like, well, history, like, whittles it down to the gems, really, because, like, you know, for every, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, or, you know, Soundgarden in the 90s, there were so, there were a dozen, like, just shitty band, shitty, like, garage bands that you never that maybe two people listen to, you know, like... Yeah, but, like, they also didn't have, like, songs that were released to a wider audience. Exactly, but, no, like, those garage... The garage band version of that is, like, now proliferating, and it's kind of everywhere, and it makes people be like, oh, today's music is just not good. It's like, it's not... It's not that there isn't good music, it's just, like, you have to go look for it. It's kind of like Gucci Mane's, like, mixtape, like, discography. Mm-hmm. You can get a bunch of shit, but you can get those few gems that like classic Gucci songs mm-hmm. and it's just like it's we just you're basically now going through like a needle in a haystack it, there's a bunch of songs out there you're trying to find that one eventually mm-hmm. you're going to find it it's going to poke you yeah, you know that's what that's how you, and that goes with like a lot of media art in general and uh <clears throat> podcasts uh <laughs> yeah like everyone has a damn everyone has a damn podcast including us yeah uh, so subscribe to the YouTube channel uh <laughs> Southern Friday Humanitarian. I, I love the logo. Like, subscribe, and share. The... Subscribe, share to three friends. Um, and have them send it to three friends. Have them send it to three friends. In about 25 cycles, we'll have the whole world listening to us. Exactly. Even though when you're editing podcasts or audio or, like, mm-hmm. even videos, like, something that takes people minutes or hours to watch mm-hmm. will literally take you hours and days to edit. Because mm-hmm. there's just so much shit they gotta filter through and then re-listen just to make sure it all fits together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's a labor of love. Like, this is, yeah. like, you know, like, why should we, why should you listen to this podcast? You know, because... We pour our heart and soul out for you guys. I mean... Even though we haven't met you. Alright, uh, shit, we've met some. <laughs> nah, I'm like, um... Nah, like, I think, uh, you know, we're talking, we're kind of, we were kind of, like, circling the topic, but, like... You know, of like every, the question on everyone's mind, uh, you know, are we communists? And the answer for <laughs> uh, the answer is the answer for me, or you know, it's like, is this a socialist podcast? Are we are we in the leftist podcasting space? Oh man, are I'm, we a politics show? Bro, I'm so left on the circle right now. But all seriousness, like, welcome back to the Southern Fried Humanitarian, the show where your two hosts are humanitarian workers from the South, living in the North, exploring the cultural differences in our regionality, environment, and across the world. I am, of course, Sam, and this is my co-host, Bray. How's it going, man? Not too bad, Sam. How you feeling today? Oh, man. Dude, it's hot. Tired as all get out, man. You know, we gotta get some... Got documentation to do for our clients, you know? Yeah, you had a little doozy with uh, trying to figure out a little immigration issue earlier today. Yeah. You know, I was, I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but it's crazy how, like, in the humanitarian, like, line of work, you have to, like, there's so much, like, people don't realize how much oversight we deal with, because, like, we only deal with oversight, because, like, they're typically will do like if I if I call a client about something and I say hey uh, 
hey, I got you a job interview. Uh, I have to, I have to, or I call the client. I tell them I got them a job interview. Then I have to write it down. Then I have to basically, I do something and I have to like, I have to have like five different carbon copies of like what it is I'm doing to even prove I did it. You know? Yeah. So there is a lot of documentation and. I was thinking we said oversight, like a lot of like oversight by other authorities mm-hmm. or agencies, and like the grand scheme of things for like, um, especially with like different crises, especially with the Afghan crisis, there were a lot of little oversights in there, and it was just I can get I can understand because there was just a sheer number mm-hmm. of those Afghans, and that not everything could be like not everyone couldn't like cross their T's and dot their eyes, mm-hmm. like they had to like work fast and like get these people like to their new home safely yeah exactly and like i was thinking uh i was talking with like uh that like because you know we kind of grew up in that like illegal immigrants illegal illegal immigrants they come through undocumented they don't pay taxes they don't work well it's like you know i mean you take like like you take like a cursory look at it like Immigrate like if you're like immigration court like yeah people coming here like like the legal channels the channels for legal immigration are like so like backed up and so underfunded that like you know it's like yeah it's easier for people to just kind of come in yeah and especially like with a lot of them they're seeking asylum they're not coming here just because they're yeah. coming here because like. They can't a afford to go through the legal process. B don't have enough time to go to the legal process. And three, they gotta get the fuck out of there right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, people gotta eat. The kids gotta eat today. You know, like yeah, yeah. Man, I lose, man. Like it's a it's a tough life. You know, they just kind of. And you know, I mean, it's like that's kind of like the most like, and honestly, like yeah, like you know, illegal immigration wasn't even a thing until like nineteen like fifty four or something like that. I don't know. We've been trying to, like, exclude immigrants for certain immigrant groups. Like, the amount of times that, like, I've heard, like, a old Karen basically turn around, tell people behind her to speak English because they're in America. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you hear them say, you're in America, you gotta speak American. And then my favorite part is just, like, clapping back in English, like, bitch, I'm not stupid. <laughs> I know two languages. I do speak English. Or do you speak English? No, I don't. Also, here's a here's a here's a quiz for you. Do you know what do you know the what is the official language of the United States? There is no official language. Damn it. Got it. Need to get that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we have the de facto. Fun fact, uh, I mean, you know, until like until the Second World War, a lot of newspapers in this country were printed in German. They had a German edition and an English edition because there were so many like German immigrants living in certain parts parts of the Midwest. And this is also a country, you know, built by immigrants. And if you look at data, like, it shows that, like, what's, you know, the number one reason that people will move countries or move or immigrate is for work. And for a better life. Like, it's crazy how they're always trying to reduce immigration, but yet we're always trying to tell everybody, like, look at America, come to us. We're, like, the greatest country in the world. We got best economy, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, they're like, fuck yeah, I want to come over there. And they're just like, oh, no, we don't want you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what does it say in the Statue of Liberty? Give me your tired and huddled masses, and then I'll send them home. Oh! <laughs> 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 this country today. Like, I was thinking about that. 
it just is like, you know, it, it sucks, honestly, because like, you know, the Republicans are just like kind of like hardline, like neoconservative, like Reagan era, Reaganoids, and then. Not even that, like, even mm-hmm. before that, like, to me, they're really pushing, like, strong Thurman vibes. Yeah. But, and then the Democrats are just too splintered to actually, you know, do anything. I've actually had a whole discussion about why that is, is because, like, the Republican Party has become so narrow in, like, their, mm-hmm. well, their constituents the- that, like, they've turned off a lot of people. And, of course, who else are they going to go to in a two-party system? Mm-hmm. Democrat Party became such an umbrella that it encompasses everyone in, like, the whole liberal to moderate spectrum. And, of course, they're not going to be able to agree on anything because, like, they're on that huge spectrum while conservatives are on the same side. You know, there's that saying about American politics, uh, Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line. Or That's how I feel about our two-party system. Like, you know, if you have to choose between the lesser of two evils, then if you're participating in that system, you're sort of, like, limp-dickingly, like, endorsing it, you know? Yeah. It's just like a... It's a very just like, oh, well... Hmm. But it's also just like, you can't not just do it. It you gotta have to find a way to fight back. Limp dicking it to the voting booth is not like the best way in choosing lesser two evils, but like at the end of the day, it's either that or nothing. Yeah. And that's well, a scarier thought. Well, yeah. I don't yeah, but so the thing is like I meant more in terms of like presidential elections, but like in terms of like uh the closer it is to you, the more your vote counts, the more important it is. You know, so yeah. like you're if you're voting for city council in your hometown, that's more, your vote Your vote carries more weight, you carry more water, it has more of an effect on your direct personal life than voting for, you know, your state senator or your governor or your, you know, yeah. or president, so on and so forth. Like, It is important to go from bottom up mm-hmm. because, like, everything that really effectively, like, revolves around you are decided by local state elections, like, like the vote like every two years, midterms, presidential, Senate races, because they do matter in the mm-hmm. long run. And like, don't, we can see in the current Congress that like, you have to vote for a candidate that aligns with your policy or your position, hold them accountable. Like, and I think that's the best thing about our generation mm-hmm. and like the new generation is that millennials and we Gen vote. Zs, we vote. We, vote. we go mm-hmm. out and vote. We know, we realize how powerful our vote is. Mm-hmm. That's right. And how much we hate these like old motherfuckers in office. <laughs> yeah, your vote does. Your vote does count. We're starting to realize that a little bit more, you know. Yeah. You just not register to vote. I mean, I already did that, but like in North Carolina, that's kind of why I was saying like they're attacking it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. That they have voter ID laws, which are again like super just like like they're kind of racially motivated. No, they are racially motivated. This was like during a uh, primary in the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to go to my voting booth, and of course I was in college, um, so I was in my like university hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, old lady basically just kind of told me like I can't, can't accept this. It's like why not? It's like the address don't match your ID and the address here. It's like but the name does. Mm-hmm. It's like that's my permanent address. I'm here in college. And I registered to vote here. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, I can't accept that. I was like, why? No, I was like, how do I know you live here? I was like, here's my student ID. Mm-hmm. This proves that I go to school here. That I live here. 
therefore I should vote here. So my supervisor of that voting area kind of came up and was like, you're allowed. Yeah, come on, we, vote. Like, yeah, it, we can clearly see that this is you. Mm-hmm. And like, she pulled up my voting record and she was like, yeah, you used to live here, now you live here, it's, it's fine. But still, the fact that I had to go through all that mm-hmm. just to vote in the primary. Mm-hmm. Luckily, that didn't happen when I uh, when voted in the general election, but still, that shit does happen. Yeah, and like, it's all in like the name of like, it kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier with immigration. It's like, you have to ver- we have to verify that they're good ones. It's like, no one is like, no one in their right mind is like committing like voter fraud and like standing in line for like, because you stand in line for a couple hours, you stand in line yeah. for some time, and just to like, to, to cast one vote and then leave. Fake ads. Fake ads. Fake ads. Ugh, today's episode is, of course, brought to you by the good folks at American Airlines, where you will, where you need three forms of ID to get on the plane. This episode is brought to you by Bank of America. You give us the money, and we just take it. So, so it is brought to you by American Eagle. Participating in traditions in traditions of American clothing by still using slave labor. This episode is brought to you by American Express. Shit, if you don't got the black card, then who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Thanks. Thanks to all. Thanks again to all our sponsors for uh, paying us real money to say those real things. So, little uh, peek behind the curtain. Me and Prem, we actually like will be. We'll be like thinking about like what do we we'll talk about what to do with the episode. We'll just kind of like uh, today was like, you know, because Fourth of July. I was like, oh, dude, let's talk about like what it means to be an American or something like that. Or are we American? Are we Americans? Because again, we were talking about like our political alignments. Like I'm so far left that I'm in a circle. I consider myself more of a humanist than like a, any sort of like one political party. I'm like hyper like grassroots change. Yeah. Like I always try to think about like. Because for me, it's like, you know, everything starts, like, at, it starts it starts with you. Because, like, changes, like, if you want to affect any sort of meaningful change, it's got to start with the individual. Yeah. And the individual can, like, be at a basis where the individual is, like, kind of, you know, making a decision. Like, hey, this is the thing that I, I think this is wrong. I got to, I got to stand on it. I got to act on it. And that's another thing that, like, you know, you've heard of the term slacktivism? I have not. Slacktivism, it's like, you know... Wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt and stiffing your uh, POC Uber driver on a tip. Oh, it, yeah, 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 It's that kind of thing, you know? Well, like, you say the shit, but you don't do it. Exactly. You, you ain't about what you're actually doing, yeah. you know? So, yeah. it's like, for me, you know, I grew up kind of boilerplate white family in, you know, Louisiana. Like, that was just kind of how things were, you know? It's like, you know, voting was, yeah, I'm going to vote today. Not telling you who I voted for. Taking your grandma, she's going to vote today, too. And then we just kind of like, it's like, okay, that was it. You know, it's like, it wasn't like, there's no conversation at the dinner table about like, oh, here's who, here's who, I don't like this guy. It was just very, it was very much like, like, you ever see that, uh, that Cat Williams special about like Trump, Trump voters where he's like, like white people vote, they lie like they got a secret. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I'm, I'm curious to see is like, you know, as a, a South Asian like family, like how did they teach their kids about voting? Well, for my parents, I can't speak on every other uh, South Asian person, but my parents were very much civically active. Yeah, speak to your experience. Like, for my parents, like, voting was an actual event, like a holiday in a sense. Like, I remember waking up every, like, election day with my mom, cooking up breakfast, and then, Mm -hmm. like, 
especially in elementary school because like our like their voting like um place was right next to my elementary school so they would actually because usually i would go on the bus my parents actually would drive me to school mm-hmm. and like early just so i'm also there with them while they go vote Mm-hmm. And I also do, you know, those kitty vote like tickets, you know, the ones that really doesn't matter, but like they just give it to you so you can participate and feel like you're doing something. I've never seen those, but I but trust like they're real. They are because uh, they got you got kids kids do something. You gotta get them early. You gotta mm-hmm. get them like engaged in their civic duty. And so like mm-hmm. yeah, but again, then like you kind of you kind of get to these decisions that are kind of uh, I guess like epistemological in nature where they kind of have these, where it's like, who gets to make these decisions? Why are they motivated to make these decisions? And why are they motivated to keep perpetuating a system that I think we can all, that I think you and I do agree on is like fundamentally flawed. Yeah, and again, this is a system that's that was set up 200 some odd years ago by some white land-owning slave owners. Mm-hmm. Like, and they even discuss themselves like, yeah, this shit cannot like last that long they got to change this shit wow and they made it so that we can change the shit to reflect the times like they themselves like will probably gas at the fact that we haven't changed much of it i think that the re for me the thing that like gives me the most like thought like if i was if i could change one thing about like american like the american political system like one edict that i would give out i would say no more lobbying lobbying is like what like lobbyists gone like you can't you just can't do that anymore like that's because like i think then then you take then you take money out of out of politics then you take money out of politics and you kind of make you know government thing and that that'll kind of trickle down because i remember i've read this before um about like how like yeah everything because that's the thing we were talking about what it means to be an american like you know this is the land of money, man. Like, yeah. every single... Like, we were talking in the last episode about, like, how work is our religion. Money's the religion, man. Have you read The Liberal Tradition in America, The Lotus Hearts? I have not. So that's, like, the... For me, that's, like... You know, there's this thing in there called The Hearts Thesis. It's, like, page... It's, like, a third page. It's, like... The reason, like, communism, socialism, like, thing... Hearts Thesis is basically that, like... We're... The reason, like, these, like these like systems never developed here when they fully they were able to like kind of flesh out more in Europe and they were actually like there was the uh communist partisch für Deutschland in Germany there was the the French communist party there was the English communist parties cuz like and these other like socialist parties that you know like in Italy or in the in that early you know 20th century is because in America our political thought is so consumed and dominated by these ideas of like Lockean liberalism yeah and so that's like you know john Locke, life liberty property basically and it's not that like and it does and hearts doesn't even like say that it's a bad thing necessarily it's just that it's like it's the only thing because that like that you, if you think about it like those like three values life liberty property like just kind of overwhelm like every single part of our political life Every single political issue, be it like the Democrats or the Republicans, like they think they will say it kind of goes back. It has it, it fits within that bubble. And if something's outside of that bubble, then it's late. Then it's labeled as other, and it is immediately thrown out. You know? Yeah, because I was about to say like more of, and that as I was to say like liberalism in and of itself kind of enhances those like 
like liberty and like property. Like, and you, because progressive like well, ideology lower, is like lowercase l liberalism, yeah, not like uppercase what, l. Yeah, not what conservatives label liberalism. Yeah, because what they view as liberal is just basically anything that's just saying, progress. That's just saying left wing and progressive. Yeah. But so yeah, sorry, like classical so, liberalism. But like you know, also when you're brought up like all those European countries that have like their different like, um, the KPD yeah. in Germany. But like another thing that kind of remind me of is that. Those like a lot of those um, European countries also had several different government changes. Like the French like government now was not the same that yeah. was established after the French Revolution. They went through four others. I think it's called the. I think it was five actually. This is the Sixth Republic. Yeah, even in Korea, like they're on their sixth like form of government right now. Mm-hmm. Between like the start, the end of the Korean War, to now. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they had multiple opportunities to change and ratify, like, their constitutions, their, uh, like, their founding documents, and their, like, legal codes and rights. So, we haven't done that. We're we're still on phase one. And remember, this, they, the founding fathers called it the grand experiment. Because mm-hmm. it was never happened before. In fact, like, America, like, at birth was one of the most liberal countries ever. Progressive, you mean? Or- yeah. Like, I'll economically be, liberal. Both, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that, like, a government run a government of the people, by the people, for the people, mm-hmm. was just a radical idea. That's what the American Revolution, or War for Independence, and the French Revolution, side note, I love the French Revolution because they literally, like, all these poor motherfuckers decided, hey, all these rich assholes are partying. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's go kill off. <laughs> kill them off. Like, what's the best way? I know. Let's just slice their heads. Perfect. Yeah, la guillotine. Yeah. Did you read about the? You heard about the Haitian Revolution? Oh yeah, that. That Toussaint. Bro, oh, man, that's the Haitian Revolution, in, in like, is the most underrated revolution <laughs> of all. Yeah, dude. You ever heard of the Haitian Revolution? Dude, it's actually kind of low key. Honestly, like, they fucking stomped France. Well, the reason that yeah, the reason it started too, it was because like, it was like you had the the French like. The like white French like like a uh, middle class like kind of revolting against the the white French upper class and then there's like twenty times as many like you know black slaves yeah just being like like what uh man but again they were both seen as like these like very radical leftist liberal ideologies mm-hmm. like you took off a monarchy. Mm-hmm. Wait, people elect their representatives? Mm-hmm. What kind of, like, liberal bullshit is this? And how can you have a... How can you say that all men are created equally when you have, like, slavery... In, when you have slavery in your country? Yeah. And it's that, and that, 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 like, dynamic, I think, was, you know, caused, like, our, our entire civil war. And it's still... We're the still ramifications feeling, are still today. We're still feeling... Yeah, we're still feeling ripple effects with, like, those things today. And I think that, like... You know, for me, if you think about, like, you know, like, Hamilton's, like, economic policy, like, it just kind of, like, money just kind of, like, what I was saying earlier, money just kind of became part of everything, and it goes now to, like, things like cable news, like, cable news, like, in this country, like, the news, these are for-profit media companies, yeah. so their job is to get you, the consumer, to uh, stay through the next commercial, get you in the next commercial, Yeah. so they can sell you shit. I mean, and that's just kind of the reality of it is. And, like, 
I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying that's reality. Yeah. And here's another, like, hot take. You know how you said, like, money is the religion of America? We're talking about, yeah. It truly is, and not only just in America, but the rest of the world, too. Or at least the Western world. Because, mm-hmm. like, it's crazy enough, because um, especially during the medieval times in Europe, like, in Christianity and in Islam, there's actually a section where it is prohibited for you to get, like, give a loan or take a loan with interest. Mm-hmm. Like, that's technically taboo, forbidden. Mm-hmm. Um, the euro like, of the law. Not halal. And so, I mean, that's also kind of like, side note, that's the reason why Jews are connotated with, like, you know, money and shit, because, like, mm-hmm. that uh, specific section of, like, you know, the Abrahamic texts was not in, uh, like, the Hebrew Talmud or um, the Torah. Uh, so they didn't have that stipulation, and because it's Middle Europe, you know, Christians don't really give them a lot of job options. So the only thing they could do is lend and loan out money mm-hmm. and collect an interest, because they're allowed to. Mm-hmm. But the second, like, after the discoveries of, you know, discoveries, quotation mm-hmm. marks, of the Americas, like, they really switched their stance. But we even switched the stance and said that, you know, lending out money and giving out loans and taking interest loans were basically acceptable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, money basically trumped their religion. Yeah. Like, their God is no longer, like, God. They view money higher than God. Well, I think that... It's kind of a hot take. Yeah, it's kind of a hot take. And also, I think, like, like you can be religious and be and be motivated by money. Like, at the yeah. same time, like, you don't have to... The two aren't mutually exclusive, but, like... It's but like, you can quickly throw out your, like, morality for money. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of, like, this kind of goes back to, like, the hard thesis, where it's, like, you know, it's not that, like, Lockean liberalism is inherently bad or incorrect. It's that it is the only thing, you know? So I think we're at a point in this country where money's gotten too big. Yeah. And it kind like of... Like, well, it became the only thing. It became the only thing, and it kind of became... It's very, like, congruent with, you know, um, Lockean liberalism. You know, I see myself as an American first, and then a North Carolina North Carolinian second. Really? Yeah. Because I'm the opposite. I, uh, I see myself as a Louisianian first, and then an American. I do consider my... And I think I, you know, but I think the... Or, I guess culturally, I consider myself... I, again, culturally, we're Southern, but... You know what? I, I've changed my mind. I am an American first and a Louisiana second. Yeah. But for me, it's just like... I don't know. Like, I love I love being from this country, because... For one... It's such uh, a unique, like... We get, we get the unique experience, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's such a weird paradigm in America. Like, you can have... Like, you have... A basic, like a whole sense of freedom, but also be oppressed at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's just, I don't know. It, it maybe, maybe something to do with like Stockholm syndrome. I fell in love with my captor or some some shit. I don't think it's that. I mean, but like, I do enjoy being here. It seems like my family enjoys being here. I basically kind of like thank, like thank the stars that like I was actually was born and raised here. I love. Like being from here, growing up where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. I love, I love it here. 
know, I think that like it's very special. It's a very special thing to be an American, and also like uh, for the you know growing world population, being in a being in the part of the world that houses one percent of the world's population and twenty five percent of the world's farmland is a uh, not exactly a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, we got all the food. Yeah, that's and we can have like overindulge ourselves. Yeah, but you know everything that comes with it, you know, um, and just because I can, and I'm, I say I'm grateful that I'm from here, but also at the same time I don't, and I try not to take it for granted, but at the same time, man, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep, you gotta be mindful of like, you know, you gotta be objective per- about it. Ain't shit. perfect. Yeah, it you, ain't perfect. You gotta be objective on shit, and like. But and then that goes back to what I was talking about with like my, I guess, humanism, where I can like, where it starts with, it starts with me. You know, it starts with me having these conversations with people and, like, yeah. breaking down these barriers. It starts with me being an active listener and listening and learning and growing as a person. And our jobs, you know, we're helping people be as American. We're helping people live the American dream, whether that's real whether that's real or not. Like, we're helping humanitarian immigrants come here, establish their lives, and provide for their families and be, and just be humans that live in America. Yeah. You know? Get that dignity back. Exactly. Be able to live out life. <clears throat> doing what your parents did, doing what my ancestors did. And, yeah, I mean, we came here, like, before the First World War, so. Okay, so right when, like, technically you were the Holy Roman Empire. What? No. Was it after that? Yeah, it was way after that. Like, we Or was it the German here, Federation? We came here uh, after Bismarck, but... Before Wilhelm. Was the Rhine Federation then? The Confederation of the Rhine was Napoleon. No, no, I think it was it was because of Napoleon that like the Holy Roman Empire failed. Or yeah, collapsed. he then he established Confederation of the Rhine. Yeah. And then you had uh, that kind of fell apart. And then Bismarck united Germany, and kind of made it what it is today with the Prussians. Or then the Prussians kind of took over. Like. We're, 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 we're so far beyond our actual topic. The point is, you know, German mm-hmm, German immigrants come into this country. I think we came in through Wisconsin and then just kind of splattered in Mississippi and Louisiana. So yeah. anyway, that's uh, <clears throat> I think that's our that's our show for today. Uh, please catch the ex- please look for some bonus content out there, guys. Uh, and we'll see you in the next episode. Please like and subscribe on YouTube and stream us on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And sit down with your mom. Make her listen to this. Or just put it in the background. Or put it in the background for your cats and dogs so mm-hmm. they can have some intelligent conversation going through yes, yes. while you guys are gone. Yeah, before your cat becomes like a full-blown mycotomist. Like, Chairman Meow. Meow Zay Dong. Thanks for listening. Remember to please uh, like, subscribe, share around to your friends, uh, comment some topics you want us to talk about in future videos. Y'all be good, you hear?